Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Audio Insanity. There's a new set of speaker cables available. The Anjou Pair cables reportedly make your music more danceable and retail for a mere $7,250 a pair. The James Randi Foundation has offered their $1 million prize to anyone who can tell the difference between these cables and monster cables, which sell for 80 bucks a pair. I won't be taking that test because I took a similar one 25 years ago, comparing monster cables to plain old 18-gauge speaker wire. In the late 70s and early 80s, I made my living selling audio equipment. When I started, manufacturers had pretty much solved the problem of distortion, and they were turning out amplifiers with a THD, a total harmonic distortion, of less than 1%. And there was a race on to reduce it even further, even though no human ear could distinguish the improvement. The numbers went from tenths of a percent to hundreds of a percent, and lots of audiophiles insisted they could tell the difference between 0.06 and 0.01 THD. Most people can't tell the difference, they proclaim, but I can. This is like saying, most people can't read the Surgeon General's warning on a pack of cigarettes from a half a mile away, but I can. For a brief time, amplifier makers tried inventing new kinds of distortion to eliminate. Our amp reduces odd-order harmonic distortion to 0.01%. Unsurprisingly, that didn't work too well. So they started adding KPD. I have a Kenwood amp from that era, and it features a switch that turns DC coupling off and on. You can flip it up and down all day long with any kind of music you like and never hear the slightest bit of difference. I'm not even sure it's connected to anything. There's also a switch labeled Attenuator which turns the volume down 20 decibels. It's conveniently located right next to the large volume knob, which does the exact same thing with a simple twist. The only purpose of these controls is to increase the KPD factor, the knobs per dollar. And for a long time, useless knobs started appearing on amplifiers and receivers. They gave you something to do, but they really didn't do much of anything for the sound. There was an anacronym that we used, LRF support, on obnoxious customers. These are the people who had read a couple of issues of Stereo Review, and they considered themselves to be audio experts. And they'd come in, and they'd start throwing numbers around, and they were trying to impress us and failing pretty miserably. And when they got too annoying, we'd tell them they should go for this amp or that tape deck because it had LRF support. And they would always nod and say, hmm, yeah, okay, that sounds good. They never, ever once asked what LRF support stood for. I gotta admit, a few times I steered some of these clowns toward a particular amplifier or tape deck that I wanted to sell because I made more commission on it, and said, oh, well, this one has LRF support and this one doesn't. And so they bought it because of that. But again, they never asked what it stood for. LRF means little rubber feet. We started carrying monster cables. Damn, they were pretty. Big, fat copper wires that were three times the size of the speaker cable that we gave away with every system. 
Back then, I think they were about 60 bucks for two 8-foot lengths. Might have been 40 I'm not sure. The 18-gauge wire that we gave away, that cost us about $0.03 cents a foot. And everyone that bought Monster Cable told us that it really made a difference. The sound was richer and fuller. The high end was less shrill. The bass was cleaner, less thumpy. The mid-range was cleaner. And being audio geeks, we decided we wanted to prove this to ourselves because we wanted it to be true. Now, A-B audio tests are rather difficult to do accurately because of psychoacoustics. The human ear tends to hear things that aren't necessarily there. For instance, you can't hear a difference in volume unless there's a 3 dB increase in the sound pressure. That's actually a doubling of the volume. But when you hear something go up just one notch, just and it's louder, that's three decibels. Now, if you have an increase of, say, one and a half decibels, you can't hear a difference in volume, but the louder channel will sound better. It'll sound richer and more detailed. So we wanted to set up our test really carefully so that we would avoid that. We got a really good amplifier. We got our best speakers. And we wired the amp on channel A to monster cable and channel B to the 18-gauge wire and put both of those wires directly into the same speakers. And we used a couple of Mobile Fidelity Labs records. Now, these were records that were uh, half-speed mastered, very carefully cut from master tapes using virgin vinyl. They cost uh, three or four times what a regular record did, and they really did sound great. They sounded as good as you could make vinyl sound. We got this all hooked up, and we gave each other blind tests. One person would stand in front of the speakers while the other person behind him would switch back and forth between the two sets of wires. Now, to put this in perspective, every one of us were audio geeks. We loved this stuff. We lived this stuff. We were so familiar with the way different speakers colored the sound that most of us could identify different brands of speakers blindfolded. We wanted to hear a difference. We needed to hear a difference. There wasn't any difference. No matter how hard we tried, no matter who did it, no matter what kind of music we played over them, nobody could pick out the monster cables more than half the time. So I won't be taking the Randy test because I don't believe it can be passed. The CEO of the company that makes these $7,200 cables, his name is Adam Blake, he won't take it either, but not for an honest reason. Instead, he's chickening out referring to Randy as a high school graduate retired magician. Nice try, Mr. Blake. Randy has done more to expose pseudoscience and charlatans and anybody else on the planet that I know of, and he's done it with a twinkle in his eye and a song in his heart, and your response to him not only shows that you're a coward, but a pretty rotten excuse for a human being as well. There is an incredible array of audio insanity available. There's one that I remember, and I haven't been able to find it on the internet, but it was a set of, well, sticks. It was two poles that broke out into three twisted sticks. that kind of looked like uh, goofy little candelabras. And supposedly, you put these in the corners of your room, and they made everything sound magnificent. And the qualities that were ascribed uh, to them were just insane. The only thing more ridiculous than the description of the improvement that it made was the $2,000 price tag. 
There's one that's been around for quite a while called Shakti Stones. These are about 225 bucks, and then there's little ones you put on your wires for 100 bucks a set. And you just set this on top of your amplifier, and everything magically sounds better. And Oh, by the way, if you put them on top of a gasoline-powered engine, you get more horsepower out of them, too. While searching for some of this stuff, I found a company that sells cable lifts. They lift your speaker wires off the ground because somehow electricity knows whether it's on the floor or in the middle of the air. A set of eight of them? $200. Yeah, sign me right up for that. You probably heard about the green magic markers that you put on the edge of your CDs and they make your audio sound better, but you have to use the special $20 magic marker. Somebody else sells this thin disc. It's a, a little uh, Teflon disc, I think it is. Sits on the top of your CDs, on top of the label, and makes it sound better. Greatly. Oh, it makes it sound wonderful. And the review I read said, it darkened the high end. Darkened the high end? But was worth it. 200 bucks for this little Teflon disc. It's got little triangles cut out, and somehow where those triangles are are what really improves the sound magically. There's a company called Empingo, and they have ebony discs that are also designed to sit on top of your equipment, making everything sound better very magically. Some of them you scatter around the listening room. They're especially treated ebony. They also have a record clamp. Now, sometimes if you have a really warped record, there were weights that you could put on the center of the turntable, a round weight that held it down flat, and that was legitimate. It kept the needle from bouncing up and down. But this is a magical ebony record clamp that sells for, get this, $1,800. How much sound improvement are you going to expect for $1,800? They've also got special ebony feet that have a little stainless steel shaft with a diamond on them. And you set your amplifier on this and it improves the sound magically. Fortunately, I don't need that because my amplifier has LRF support. One reviewer for an overpriced amplifier said it had a chocolatey mid-range. Chocolatey? It makes me wonder if it has a peanut butter high-end or maybe a raspberry jam base. I even came across one argument that the source of the electricity makes a difference in the sound. Electricity from a hydroelectric dam sounds best. Electricity from an oil plant isn't as good, and electricity from a nuclear plant just makes the music sound horrible. By the way, if $7,200 isn't enough for you to spend on a pair of cables, there's another set out there that sells for $43,000. Transparent cables. And they prove, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that a fool and his money were lucky to get together in the first place. After I get this up on the web, I'm going to go listen to my stereo. It's a 25-year-old Kenwood amp hooked up to a pair of 25-year-old JBL studio monitors. They're all connected with plain old 3 cents a foot, 18-gauge speaker wire. And it sounds fantastic. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. 
Lots of things have happened in the audio industry in the past couple of weeks. The RIAA had their first jury trial, the only one that they've had so far. And it was kind of a slam dunk. The woman who was charged with downloading files illegally, she was really the only person in her house that could have done it. It was obvious that she did it. They tried to weasel their way out of it with arguments that didn't even make sense, which really ticked off the jury who responded by charging her nearly $10,000 a song for 24 songs. And so they got a victory, $222,000 judgment against a single mom. This is, of course, really pissed off an awful lot of people. And I've heard a lot of people, seen a lot of people in various forums saying, I'm never going to buy RIAA music again. And some of them will probably carry through on that. A buddy of mine sent me an article from the Wall Street Journal. I can't link to it because it's subscription only. But it was going into detail about some hotshot 26-year-old record producer who is producing half of the top 40 hits out there. And there's about six of these guys running around the country making all the songs sound pretty much alike. Meanwhile, Clear Channels is homogenizing radio all over the country. There's not any really fun, interesting, innovative radio stations out there anymore, except for a few college radio stations. And iPods and podcasts and other media are making radio stations obsolete and making record companies weaker and weaker and weaker when it comes to setting the public taste. People are on MySpace selling thousands of CDs, tens of thousands of CDs, and in a few cases, hundreds of thousands of CDs, and making a lot of money and putting it all in their pocket. And it's great because it's just this glorious chaos, and it's really hurting the record companies. And it's just wonderful to see that because they've been screwing artists since Edison recorded Mary Had a Little Lamb on a wax cylinder. And they're finally getting their comeuppance. They're not reacting to the market fast enough. They're refusing to change the way that they do business. And it's killing them. They'll never go away completely because they've got a huge back catalog that people are always going to be listening to. But that's going to become less and less important as more and more artists declare their independence. Radiohead is giving away their latest album. Just download it for free and pay them what you think it's worth. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails is encouraging people to download his songs and pass them around for free. The landscape is changing way too fast for these big behemoths to react to, and I'm just loving it. I love hearing from you guys, too. Hey, if you want to send me a postcard, drop me a line. Oh, I had better say stating point of view or I'll get sued by the RIAA. Instead, you'll find the correct email address in the MP3 tags of this file, or you can go to DaveHit.com, that's spelled with two T's, and you'll find not only the podcast, but you'll find a blog that gets updated fairly often, and you'll find old articles that I've written, many of which have been turned into podcasts, and you'll find my email address all over the place. I'm a real easy person to get in contact with. And last of all, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously.